When I was young, I remember reading the story about Moses leading the people through the desert. I thought it was from upstairs. Leading the people through the desert. And then when he finally got through the desert, God told him to go to Mount Nebo, Nebo and look at the land of Cana, the land of promise. Um, but he himself would never enter that land. And I just thought, that wasn't fair. I mean, he did all the work to get him there, and now he finally gets to the land that God has promised him, and God says, oh, Moses, you don't get to go in. And it's almost kind of like what I felt like, kind of a, living a little bit of that story. I thought I would finish up here, but I didn't get that. So it's like I got, at least I think I led through a period and got you to this point, and now somebody else gets to lead you into what's ahead. So it's exciting. I hope they'll do a great job. I trust they will. But I'm disappointed that I'm not able to walk that part of the journey with you. I know when I came, I came because I really felt God had called me to be here. Um, that was like the burning bush for me, just a desire to be back here, to be here with you all, and just really feel, I really felt God was calling me to do that. I know not everyone was excited when I came. Uh, there were a number of people quite upset and disappointed. Um, everybody has their own place, um, especially some of the people connected with the school because they were convinced that I was coming to close the school. I had closed the school in the parish in Crawfordsville, and so they thought, now he's coming here to close our school. I said, I wasn't coming to close the school. I was just coming to run a parish, and pastor a parish is why I was coming. Well, in selling the building, we also had a five-year lease, and this was just starting the last year on the lease, and when we were selling the building, I was saying, we're ju I'm just buying time. I hope I buy enough time so that the schools will be able to come together and be one school in this community. So I feel fortunate. I think we bought enough time that next year I would expect the schools to actually be one Catholic school for the community of Muncie. Again, from my perspective, I was only trying to buy enough time for that to take place. So I feel very good about that. Somehow we made it to the end, and the school was never closed, nor was the parish. <laughs> okay, so anyway, that, I feel very good about that. When I came, I think the very first day that I walked into the church when I got here, I saw the plaster over there by the entryway door really kind of broken and um, uh, damaged by water. And I looked up and I saw a white spot over there, the second arch, the last bend, you might say, and saw plaster coming out there and said, oh no, that means water's leaking in and coming through it. I remember seeing water running down the front of the windows, the stained glass windows in the choir loft and saying, that's water on the inside, that's not the outside. I just don't like to see rainwater on the inside of a building. I said, oh no. So, 
Anyway, a nice building committee, maintenance committee was formed under Joe Beatrice, and together the group of them prioritized everything that needed to be done and all the maintenance and repairs that really were necessary to do. And they prioritized them year for year for year, and um, I think almost all of that has been completed. So thanks to Joe and the committee that helped organize that and set that up. And um, at least um, most of the work on the church has been completed. We have some work on the tower that is targeted to be done, and the money's there to do it. And we're able to do that without any major fund drive. We did not have a capital campaign. We did not have a fund drive to pay for that. It came out of the monies received, and um, that's what we worked with. Another thing, shortly after I got here, which was a grace for me, um, John Press and uh, Dick Shiver came and approached me and said, we know the parish doesn't have a lot of money, but we'd like to volunteer to help if we could in regard to the business part of the parish. And I really thank both of them for having come forward. Um, then when we finally were financially able to hire a business manager, Dick said, do you mind if I apply for that? I said, no, you're welcome to. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone else had applied, so um, Dick was hired. And what a great gift it was that he brought to it. And now Phil McPherson has followed him and again, this parish is in very good financial hands, and we were fortunate enough to have their expertise, their leadership, and um, very, very solid finances. Whether you know it or not, there have been three audits of the book since I've been here uh, by a professional auditor, and she did that freely. That was Nancy Umbach. She did that free to the parish, and has assured us that our books are solid, the numbers are real, it's accurate, it's all in order, and she's always very complimentary of Lois. She is very good at keeping numbers and is very detailed, and never did she have a number out of place since we began. So um, I gotta commend all of those people that were part of that and made that possible. Another group I really want to thank, too, are those who work bingo. Um, it may not seem like a big deal, but you realize those who work bingo over the last five years and de dedicated their shares to St. Lawrence have given this parish over those five years $600,000. That's how much the parish has received for the bingo proceeds, and that has helped us tremendously to be able to not only maintain, but to go forward. Uh, if you look at it, that's just about the cost of the maintenance repairs that have gone into the church and the rectory. But those bingo shares are like about $300, $275 to $300 a share. So those who work bingo have really contributed an awful lot to both the parish and to the school. 20% went to the school, the rest has gone to the maintenance of the parish. So I commend and thank all of those who've been a part of that, 
all of those who enabled us to finance all the various ministries with increased funding in the parish. Um, at first, we didn't really have a secretary. We didn't have a business manager. And so actually, people who volunteered, at first I told them, I can't afford to pay you. I don't really have money to pay you. And Lois knows I didn't have money to pay anyone. Um, so if, if you do it, when we finally get to the point that we can pay, I'll be glad to pay you then. I think Jeanette Carnes worked for about six months volunteering as secretary um, after you know, she volunteered to come forward, to come out of retirement and to help us. And what a gift that was too, uh, because she knew so many in the parish and she has a good way of talking, relating, and helping people when they call in and ask for help. I doubt if anyone ever has been treated in an inappropriate way or a hostile way when they called into the office and encountered her and knew that she was there to take care of whatever that need might be to help them, and that's what she did. Um, and finally, as we were moving along, and the income increased, we finally got to the point that we could hire an adult faith formation person. I knew I was not handling that part very well. I wasn't able to really spend a lot of energy and time with that, and it was area neglected, I felt, in the parish. And so set up a search committee, and they found two people they felt were very good. And then of the two of those, Sue Wilhelm, was hired, and I believe she's started on the ground running. Uh, when we were doing the interview with her, the final interviews, I said, so I'd just like to have you uh, try to give me a rough outline of a plan for the year for the parish. And she just took the paper and started writing and writing and writing, and there was a plan laid out for a year. I said, you're hired. <laughs> you're hired. You know what you're doing. And um, she is truly a professional person, has a tremendous background. I feel we're very fortunate to have gotten her. She was the director of the retreat center up in Huntington, the, the Victory Knoll Center Retreat House, and has a lot of background and training in spiritual direction and spirituality. So what a gift that is. So anyway, we got to this point. I think the parish is on a very good, solid foundation, solid financially, solid building-wise, a solid staff that has been brought together. Um, I feel very good. I can step aside, step down, and believe that you all are in very, very good hands. Um, that's, and I think that the priests that have been entrusted with the parishes here in Muncie are very good young priests. So they're gonna have a little more energy than us older priests do. And I believe there'll be a lot of energy and a lot of effort put into everything that lies ahead. But I just wanna to touch on the three things the diocese is focusing on. It is on community, discipleship, and mission. And a number of years ago, a Protestant minister said to me, Father Dave, the Catholic Church is like a sleeping giant. 
if it ever wakes up, is going to have power in our society and power in our world. And so I hope someday it wakes up. And I think if we embrace those three things, the church will truly be alive. You know, a lot of us grew up with keeping the Ten Commandments, going to Mass on Sunday, keeping the holy days, not eating meat on Friday. And we thought that that's what it was all about. But it's not all about that. It's about community, discipleship, and mission. Let me say a little bit about community. We're not called to do our spiritual life alone, just individually, but we are people of faith. We are community of faith. We are called to go to God together to help one another on this journey to God, not to say, I have to do it on my own, you have to do it on your own. No, we're meant to be there as a community of faith, helping one another on this journey. And the more you get to know with one another, the more you're connected with one another, the stronger the bond of love is in this community, the more fully is Christ being made visible. He said, they all know you are my disciples, but you're going to Mass? No. Well, they know that you're my disciples because you don't meet on eat meat on Friday? No. You'll, they'll know you are my disciples by your love for one another. That's what the community is meant to be, a community that loves and cares for and helps and assists one another and also prays for one another in the brokenness that we all experience together. So the more connected we are as a people of faith, the more will our lives really shine and give witness to Jesus, who is the head, the foundation, the source of that life. They will know that you are my disciples. What is being a disciple about? A disciple means one who is a student, a learner, one who's following the one who is the teacher, and those who follow the teacher are the disciples. Christ is the teacher, and he shares everything that I receive from the Father, I share with you. I don't speak my own words. I speak the words of the one who sent me, that Christ has revealed to us the love of the Father that we are his disciples, forming, as St. Paul would said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. That our minds and hearts and spirits are formed by the mind and the heart of Christ. Where we look at the scripture and we hear his word, and we find his word really calling, calling us where we want to be closer to him, for the ultimate goal, really, is to be one with him. So how can we do that? I'd encourage everyone to take the Gospels especially, and just each month take one verse from what Christ says, what Jesus says. Take one verse, just one verse, and stay with that verse throughout the month. And let your mind hear those words spoken to you from Jesus, not just from the book, but hear Jesus speaking those words to you when he says, and Jesus said to his disciples, 
He's talking to each one of us. We are his disciples. I'm a disciple, you're a disciple. He is speaking to his disciples, and we are those disciples living today. So to hear those words addressed to us and ponder those words and let those words sink deep in our hearts, let those words form our way of thinking, let those words form our way of living, making our life truly one with him. As St. John the Baptist said, no longer I who live, but Christ, I must decrease so that he might increase. St. Paul said, no longer I, but Christ who lives within me. That is the goal of what we're called to do. Okay, and then mission. What is the mission of the church? Christ said, as the Father sent me, so I you. Oh, why did the Father send Jesus? To save the world. How did he save the world? By his love that was greater than the power of sin, greater than the power of death. The love with which Christ has loved us is the same love with which he is loved by the Father. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That is what saves us, coming to know and to believe in the love of God for us. God is with us. God is on our side. He has done everything out of love for us. So Christ, even on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. If God, Christ could forgive that sin, is there any sin you could commit that lies beyond forgiveness? No, there is not. So the mission that we have, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Those who send you forgive are forgiven. Those who send you retain are retained. Our mission is to make visible the love of Christ in the world. And if we make visible the love of Christ in the world, then what happens as we pray in the Our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is, in heaven. The more Christ is present in our world, the more it is on earth like it is in heaven. It's been a little long, but it's my last chance. <laughs> so bless you and thank you. But that's what I want to share the core of, the idea of mission, discipleship, and